I am unashamed. What about you? Well, I'm excited because we are stepping out there in the unashamed world for the first time ever out of over 550 podcasts. We are coming to you today from four different locations around these United States of America. Dad, you are the only one that is in the lair, the home base. So do you feel do you feel trapped? Do you feel lonely? Do you, what, what are you feeling right now? I was one of the ones down here in Redneckville that when someone told me they're going to, they got this telephone that's coming and you'll be able to see the person you're talking to. Well, uh, take that. When me, when I said that's the biggest bunch of bull I've ever heard in my life, they're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> now, today, I'm talking to you in Washington, D.C., you in Tennessee, you in North Carolina, and I'm in Louisiana. So I, I, I was I'm dumb as it sounds. I, I said, no, they'll never pull that one off. So here we sit. So what can I say? I'm an idiot. You seem angry about this no. all, this whole setup. I kind of made an idiot out of it. I live with it. Y'all can. That's the thing about prophets. Even when they're wrong, they're angry. Oh, yeah. I was saying this, that won't happen. Don't, don't, don't put your trust in that thing. Get rid of telephone uh, booths. I don't think so. Well, <laughs> I think I'll get over it. <laughs> and I also, I also notice so you get different camera angles if you're watching this. And so we never get that, that Louisiana map behind dad. Cause now we have a direct view on that. So that's a, another good way to describe where dad is. So I'm in Washington, DC, which I'll tell you more why later, uh, at the museum of the Bible, Zach is coming from uh, black mountain, North Carolina. Welcome back, Zach. We hadn't had you in a while. Been off it's good to be here. Gallivanting. Yeah. Uh, and then Jace is coming to us uh, from from Tennessee, from his uh, place up there. So Jace, so where are you at? Well, tell us your setup. Well, I'm actually at my son's house, and so we we have a studio set up at my little farm outside of Nashville. But they had a fellow like this. They had a Wi-Fi outage. The whoever was supplying the wi-fi so we had a company move so there's that you uh, you will like my home base it's called the vault mm. and, it, and it's a literal it's a literal vault the guy who owned the farm before i bought it was a treasure hunter ironically and he had all his treasures in this vault he built an alt he let me say it again he built a vault to put all his treasures in I mean, it's it's hurricane proof, tornado proof. It is a vault. Does it have load. like a Does it have a like a safe door on it where you turn the lock? What's the What's the entry it point? It has a safe door. You turn it. It's like a bank vault entrance, and you go in, and you're in the safest place in America. I do believe. Make sure you figure out a way to have a like a backup way out because if your family ever gets tired of you and you're in there in your vault, you're getting ready to do the podcast, and they turn the safe door and lock you in there, then we'll never see you again. Well, if y'all don't see me for a three-day period, <laughs> start searching the mountains south of Nashville, and you'll stumble up on a ranch, a little ranch slash farm, and go to the a little side mountain there. 
and go underground. And <laughs> Find the vault. Be. Find the vault. Okay. It'll be fun for you. Well, I, I'm hoping it'll be better than the Geraldo vault. So, so what, so what are you doing up there, Jays? Well, it's Mia's birthday and, uh, she just, you know, she had just had a difficult surgery and she's, pretty well recovered from it. I mean, the swelling, it took a few months for it to go down and she's feeling good, but she's in college now. And so we hadn't seen her in a couple months. So it's, we're, we gotten the family back together to celebrate her birthday tonight. So I ran into her, I ran into her last weekend in in a very random place. I was, so I was preaching at a church and I turn around and your daughter walks in. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, she's doing pretty good because uh, I, you know, you wonder how she's doing when they grow up and they move off, they get in college, and but she just seems to be doing great. She said, "Now tomorrow night, we're uh, some of my friends were going to come out to the farm and we're going to do worship." Oh, yeah. So love I that. said, "Okay, that's a good sign." <laughs> you got to, you got to love it. But so, Jace, yeah. you're broadcasting, or will be, from your farm, and Zach is preaching at a church called the barn. I'm beginning to sense a theme here uh, about barn animals and chickens and goats and podcast studios and farms. I mean, you boys seem to be just kind of going back to the old days or something. You're trying to turn back the clock. What's going on? Well, I told Missy, I said, uh, and this vault is in between our goat pen and the chicken house. And so I said, you know, it's ironic that we're having some kind of technical difficulty. You're in a vault between farm animals. <laughs> no wonder the sophistication doesn't work. I mean, what what's kind of hilarious is that Missy got up at daylight because they worked through the night to get that studio ready. And they were lacking one cable that costs less than $10 that you can buy at Walmart. And so... I was like, is this, is this really happening? And Missy said, Hey, it doesn't matter. It's just like Jesus. If you're not connected, you're out. (laughs) 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 So I don't know if it was the lack of sleep speaking or the frustration, but it was kind of a hellfire and brimstone about you have to be connected. You gotta be connected. Yeah, I like that. So. That's good. So, Dad, you've been uh, teal season has started since the last time we uh, had podcasts. We were getting ready for it the last time. So, what? How you've been whacking and stacking down there? In yeah, one a day. Louisiana? One a day is what we're doing, but uh, we're probably doing better. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're probably doing better Which than the... that old Jay's old Rocky Top Tennessee Jay's now. You know. <laughs> No, I was in on the first hunt, Phil. I was there for the one. And look, here was my positive take because I thought y'all were being a little negative about opening day, only shooting one. But I said, we shot 100% of what we saw. (laughs) That's pretty good. Well, a little bunch of seven or eight, 10 flew over early, about 30 minutes after daylight, kept kept going. But uh, the rice field boys are doing pretty good out in the rice flats. But... uh, We'll kill a few in the next few days. You know, it's tough when you're shooting the equivalent of what the recommended daily vitamin intake is. <laughs> yeah. One a day. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> good for the body, not so good for the duck hunting. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll be back in two days, Phil. So blue, blue wing. Br- 
blue wing teal, blue wing teal like open spaces, and we primarily deep woods. We got a lot of woods, so you don't see as many in the woods as you do out in the flats, rice flats. So Zach, you haven't been with us a while. What what all have you been? What what do you got going on? Because I know you got a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah, we're we're working on the movie stuff right now, um, and a few other things as well. Got uh, uh, working on some stuff with Jace and show that he's got. Uh, yeah, it's been we've been I've been super busy. I went to Nashville, like I told you earlier, and I got to hang out with some folks at a small little barn church, which I, I loved. It was it's so cool to see God like raising up these small churches across America. Um, so I was there, and we also went to this thing called the Getty Music Conference, which uh, Jace Missy would have absolutely loved. Um, it's um, kind of like a congregational singing uh, conference and a lot of great speakers just on the kind of theology of worship and uh, being intentional about it and, and how to get the congregation involved in actually singing because, you know, a lot of churches nowadays, nobody sings anymore. So it was kind of cool. kind of brought me back to my childhood when you're in a room with 8,000 people and everybody is singing at the top of their lungs. Um, it, yeah, it was pretty powerful. So it was. I'm kind of on a what they call a spiritual high right now after after doing that. So I got back Wednesday, and now we're in football season. The only downside was Florida. Florida looked horrible, and uh, you know we need we need a new quarterback, and at, at the old Gators need a new quarterback. I think so. That was that was kind of a downside. But you guys, LSU fans, y'all are having a rough year too. Yeah, we. If we could keep playing a lot of uh, smaller schools, we'd have a lot better season. But we don't do so well against the big boy. Did Florida lose to Kentucky? Oh yeah, they no, lost. I, didn't, I didn't even realize that. Mm-hmm. The better team won. We actually watched that game. I don't know what you're talking about. A down year. We lost by one point, and then we won by about fifty. Mm. The rebuilding process is on schedule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We will. We shall see. Yeah, but you're right. Look, we uh, we had an interesting. We went with our family yesterday and had a. It was fantastic worship, and it was not a barn, but it was. I would call this kind of a warehouse looking thing out in the hills, and uh, yeah, same thing. It was it was awesome. But you know, singing to God and worshiping has become close to my family's heart. But it also allows you to do things. So this morning when we called our daughter and uh, sang her happy birthday, I did a duet with my lovely wife. And you know how it ended? As soon as we sang happy birthday and Mia was like, oh, that's so sweet. That's cute. That's awesome. And Missy said, you are way off, Jace. (laughs) I was trying to harmonize because if you, you know, which triggered a debate on who was off. I was probably off. Let's face it. And uh, Missy said, I mean, uh, Mia said, now this is, this is what I love about my family. The courage of me and Missy's singing ability. <laughs> well, Jace, you've got a tough gig because, I mean, everybody in your family, except for you, sings exceptionally well. And so. Oh, it's terrible. You know, Al, that's what I was referring to. This is a terrible <laughs> existence. But you know what I always say? I think when when you're like in the situation you're in, I'm just hoping we get to heaven, like all that balance is out. We can all sound great. I mean, I hope that's the way it'll go because we all love to sing. Lisa and I were able to experience a great church uh, in Leesburg, Virginia this weekend. She spoke at a women's conference. There were over a thousand women at the conference. 
And uh, man, she just was amazing. I just, I'm amazed every time I see her in front of an audience, how much she's grown as a speaker and just, you know, how, how she really brings the most out of a setting like that. But the next day on Sunday, uh, we got to, to worship with the church there and really a great pastor and his wife. And just, they have about 6,000 in attendance over three uh, assemblies at this church. So obviously they're doing a lot of good up in this area. It's really good. Cause you get to thinking like, we think of DC, we think, ah, you know, but there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people right there on the, you know, standing up for Christ in these, these big cities and surrounding them. And we were with those people, which is a great blessing. So they uh, asked us to come back and do a marriage conference next year. So we're excited to come back. Uh, and, and then I'm at the Bible museum uh, currently, which is where I'm uh, broadcasting from. So I'm, the, the people have been very hospitable uh, to me. And this is a great facility here in the right in the middle of DC, like right outside my window is the Capitol, just maybe a, two blocks away. So I thought, man, I, I wish I could get everybody over there, dad, from in Congress to come over here and take a tour of this facility and, and learn a little bit about what's inside here. You think it would help make us a better place if we could do uh, that? There's no doubt about it. We need to bring God back into all politics and all education sources. Put the Almighty in there. Take him or leave him, but at least open the door to hear what he has to say. I don't know what it would hurt. I'm looking around at our culture. I think it would help it. <laughs> So that's one of the reasons why I love, you know, being here at the Bible Museum is because of a commitment to the word. So I think that's the importance of why we're having this discussion today. So let's uh, let's talk more about that after the break. So fans, are, are you ready for what happens after the November elections? Uh, it could be some crazy times. Uh, there could be quite the upheaval. Uh, you're just never sure in the way uh, current politics are going in America. Uh, and one of the things that the past has taught us is be ready for anything. And that includes emergency food or add to what you already have because you just never know. Uh, preparewithfill.com, if you go there, it's going to save you 20% on a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. They're the largest preparedness company, and their mission is your survival. Uh, you'll love their meals. They're delicious. They're easy to prepare. Uh, they give you over 2,000 calories a day for strength and energy, and they give you that foresight and that peace of mind as well. So check them out. Preparewithfill.com. Save 20% on your three-month emergency food kit. You'll have that peace of mind. you get fast and free shipping uh, in unmarked boxes for your privacy. So check them out. Preparewithfill.com. That's preparewithfill.com. So welcome back. Um, you know, before we talk about, you know, the, the museum and, you know, have Norm on later uh, to talk about the sort of the historical way we got the Bible here. I, I think it's important for us to have a discussion about what the Bible says about itself, because, you know, so much is in there that just kind of shows the hand of God uh, through the whole process. So, um, what, I mean, what do you guys think about that? I mean, we think about the Bible talking about itself. The, the, the word of God, it's solid food and people who are trained by it. I mean, they can distinguish between good and evil. And that's true. You just, you take in the verses and it'll teach you the difference between good and evil. 
if you practice it. Right. Yeah, it says by constant it says by constant use yep. they have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I think that's the yeah, that that's one of the powers of the word of God. I've I've read the scriptures a lot, just more kind of as a cognitive exercise to understand, you know, uh, who God is. But but there's there's another layer to it that I think the Hebrew writers talking about that it just it does it penetrates to yeah. your soul. I understand sit and, why and the word of God it. is here. Uh, the only question I have is how in the world did it get here over that longer time frame? You know, four or five thousand BC, all the way to Jesus, two thousand years, twenty two, two thousand twenty two years later, gets to us. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and it, but it has a different element. When I read that, the Word of God is living and active because this is the only book whose author never dies. You know, other books, people write. Well, then they die. And it, you have a book from someone who was once here. But this, God breathes into these words his existence, which is present. It's past, present, and future. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's what the difference is. It, it's like if it was just a letter, you know, if you're, I mean, I got lots of letters when I was dating and all that they only meant something because of the person that they were from and how well you knew them. And I think this is the, the same way, the, the deeper your relationship gets with God, the more these letters come, come to life. But I mean, that's just the way I look at it. Well, <clears throat> wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be safe to say that you, the Bible, the word, the Bible itself, it's a history book. It's a poetry book. It's a, you know, a lot of different things. It's love letters, as you said, but it's also uh, referred to in John one as Jesus himself. He is the word of God. I mean, he was, he was the word. He is the word. He was in the beginning. Exactly. So, so to your point, Jace is it's a person first and then it's spoken. And then in the nature of it being spoken, it then becomes something that we can follow. And it follows all through human history, uh, right up until the current moment where it still impacts us. And all these ancient cities dating way back and then peoples and cities. I mean, the Bible is used more than any other document ever, ever on planet Earth to find places that a lot of people say, what this was, there was a city there and they, they, and they go look and the Bible directs them to where to look and Allah, here they come. They've, they found another city that they didn't know was there buried. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The Bible's always right on it. Yeah. And it, and it, it has shown itself to be, you know, true through, through any of the, whether you're talking about going back and studying archeology span or astrology or all of the different things you found, uh, I had a verse I wanted to read to y'all, another one, and, and get your take on it. Paul said this to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and correctly handles the word of truth. And I've heard that, in, you know, talked about in sermons, a lot of different things. What do you think Paul meant by that when he was talking about that to Timothy? Yeah, mine says be diligent to present 
yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, which, by the way, we are unashamed here, Ooh. accurately handling the word of truth. Yeah, accurately handling. I like that, too. The letter so, to the Galatians kind of outlines why you need to be that way. They just thought they'd throw in, yeah, okay, Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and also you have to be circumcised. Well, they just added a little, one little law to the gospel, and, and the apostle Paul said, let them be eternally condemned. Don't do that. Now, I was going to say, I think when, when you miss Jesus, you know, John 5, they were diligently studying the scriptures because they thought by them they'd possess eternal life. And Jesus said, but you've got about me. These yep. are speaking about me. But even in 2 Timothy, I did a, uh, a lesson when we were in school well, that that got me a meeting with the leadership uh -oh. of the school because uh -oh. they had a, uh, he had more than the, one meetings at shocker. The marketing, uh, their, their insignia was preach the word and they had a pulpit Phil, and they had a Bible open. Yeah. And I said, well, where's Jesus? So I got up there Well, they got that verse from second Timothy chapter four and verse two, it says preach the word. And that was, that was, and I said, well, where's Jesus in all this? And the reason I say that, because if you go back to Second Timothy, even in ver you know chapter one, he starts talking about the gospel in verse eight and nine. But then he says in verse nine b, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, and it says, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. But if you just quickly start looking at what the thrust of his message was in chapter two, verse one, he said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In chapter two and verse eight, he says, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descending from David. You'll start to see a pattern here. And so when, when they get to 14 and 15 and he says that, I'm like, well, Jesus said, when you're, you're looking for the truth, I am the truth. I mean, that's how God chose to reveal himself. And you can't preach the word or you can't have the Bible without Jesus, who is what the Bible is revealing, which is well, the image that, of God. In, this, in the same thing, we, we talk about this a lot, Jace. Me and you are totally in alignment on this. We talk about this even with the gospel itself. You know, the gospel points to God. He, the gospel points to Christ. The Bible points to God in Christ. But, you know, my granddad... And for those who are listening, by the way, you may not understand kind of our church history, how we grew up but um, in the churches of Christ. But my granddad, he's I know he's in heaven now. But, man, we had like this, this conversation a couple of years before he died. And, and I asked him, I said, how do you how do you think you're going to get to heaven? And he said, you obey the gospel. And I said, well, what's the gospel? He said, the Bible. And I was like, well, do you obey the Bible? He said, I do. I said, every time he's like, well, not every time. I said, well, then you're out. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty sad. And, and, and then, like, and then you go to like, like the way I grew up in the Church of Christ, the Churches of Christ, like it was about like converting from Baptist to Church of Christ. Like, at, like once you know the right thing, and you you do the right thing, then that's somehow like good enough. And I'm, and it's like you you missed you missed the point. You're you're focusing on you're lifting the scriptures up, and they are uh, holy scriptures, and the scriptures are inspired, and the scriptures are 
the inerrant word of God. There's, I'm not debating that. But the scriptures yes. are not God. And we grew up in a faith tradition that elevated the scripture to the place of God, which had all kind of problems with legalism and workspace system. And I mean, just I think about the the bondage and the condemnation that that my grandparents kind of lived under with that. And it's just sad, scary. You know, so yeah. I, I know why you got in trouble there, Jace. No, I know, because people don't realize the gospel is not a philosophy and it's not a morality. It It's good news of a historical, present-day, future person being revealed. And the reason it's good news is because it shows the character of God, his love, his mercy, his justice. But he does that through Jesus by becoming a man and solving all our problems and what he did in present day he's still living and active it what was my point what i was getting because if you didn't believe that then when you take the book of john you know how many times the word gospel is in the book of john zero hmm. first second third john zero well did he not believe in the gospel no the gospel points to jesus he starts off saying in the beginning was the word well who is he talking about well we all know he's talking about jesus <clears throat> and luke did the same thing it's not in there in the book of acts it's only mentioned twice yeah so but when you read it you say well yeah but they were sharing what it is well what what is it it's jesus <laughs> yeah it's a person it's not a it it's a who it's, a, it's, it's rather a, who is the, who is it uh I, this is kind of goes in line with this is from howard baker in his book soul keeping he said through uh though my life was well ordered and disciplined he said i was too busy serving god to take the time to really know him and i think that's what happens sometimes and i push back on this too jay so i would talk about uh, when i in how i teach I, I preach it's like it's it's more about the christ of the gospel than it is the gospel of Christ. You have to flip these things to, to put, these are means to an end. You know, all yeah, these mm -hmm. like serving God is a means. God is the mm -hmm. end. It being in his presence is the end. Christ himself, the incarnation of God, God coming to us and allowing us to get our hands on him and, and to be with him. Like that's the end. Yeah. That's the end that's of the why, whole thing. Yeah. That's why it uses it in different ways. It says the gospel of Christ. It says the gospel of God. It says the gospel of Christ in God. It says the gospel of salvation, the glorious gospel of peace. You know, in Ephesians, it says that because really when you look at Jesus and how the Father and the Holy Spirit interact in the gospel of Jesus, they all work together and it produces all those things. So I, I think it's important, though. You know, it, it's if you start looking at that, it starts making everything make sense and you'll learn to appreciate more the grace aspect of the gospel rather than trying to understand every little minute detail in the Bible. Well, and <clears throat> to prove your point, as we wrap this up, I think if you look at 2 Corinthians 2.15, when Paul said that to Timothy, correctly handled the word of truth, there was no written New Testament when he said that. He wrote that in a letter. So what was he talking about? Well, it wasn't the New Testament because it hadn't even been written yet. So it had to be about the truth about Jesus. So I think that proves the point that you guys were both making. Uh, we're going to have uh, one of the curators uh, here at the museum, uh, Norm, who gave uh, Lisa and I a tour last year. Uh, to join us a little bit on the podcast, tell us a little bit about the museum. Uh, and so uh, we'll we'll be able to share a little bit more of that. We're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, we'll have Norm with us. So uh, as our audience knows, um, 
you know, pro-life and, you know, the pro-life movement are very important, not just to us here at Unashamed Nation, but especially uh, to Lisa and I as we're a part of uh, so many rallies and so many uh, speeches around the country, just trying to, you know, raise money and, and hang in there in the fight. And so uh, it's very important. We recently had Sean Carney on the podcast uh, to, to talk about his role at 40 Days for Life. And so we're excited that they're also uh, one of the sponsors for our podcast. And on there, we talked about Roe v. Wade being overturned and what that means. And I don't think that there's any organization that's better in, in a position better uh, than 40 Days uh, for Life. They have a million volunteers in a thousand cities where they hold peaceful vigils outside abortion facilities. And so this isn't yelling and screaming. It's just there to pray and pray for a great turnout. And uh, so they, they have what they call the 75 and 45 percent. Uh, a lot of uh, former Planned Parenthood directors say that 75 percent uh, no-shows happen because of these peaceful demonstrations. So there's people, they're like, I don't know what's going on with this, but I, I really want to go and talk to somebody else about abortion. And in terms of 45 percent, 45 percent of those facilities are closed eventually, uh, when people don't go there, of course, to have abortion. So very important to be involved, to support these guys. Uh, check out their locations, their podcasts, their free magazines at 40daysforlife.com to stay updated on how abortion is ending in post-Roe America. That's four and a zero, 40daysforlife.com. So I want to welcome to Unashamed, uh, Norm Conrad who uh, really impressed me. He's uh, one of the curators here at the Biomuseum. He did our tour uh, for Lisa and I last year. And I, I told his people here, the people he works with at the museum, I think I learned more from Norm in three hours than I did in one year of seminary, uh, at least half my time there. So it was, it was really good. So welcome, Norm. Glad Thank to you. have you. Thanks for having me. It's Absolutely. <clears throat> so we were talking in the, in the break, a story I'd forgotten about. We'll start there. Um, Dad, you know, when you did the first time you did I Am Second, which I'm going to say now, thinking back, was maybe almost 10 years ago. And uh, it was you and mom and uh, Reed and Jep. And so it was kind of it's a really cool setup. They have like a white chair, but, every, but everybody else is wearing like dark clothing. And so it's just an intense interview situation. And we've done upgrades since. But the, the Bible Museum has that chair here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you sit in the chair and you do, and there's a lot of like famous people and singers and a lot of athletes that are on there. And so you sign the back of the chair, Lisa and I have done it since. And so now they have a new chair because their old chair is here. And so I showed Norm on the back of the chair, your signature. And of course, now you just signed Phil exclamation point. I guess you're like gut fell. I guess you started that. It's a Phil exclamation point. And so, Mike, you, you can tell him, Norm. What, what. Yeah, so we're looking at this, and you said, look, Dad just signed Phil, and he didn't put his last name. You must think he's Cher. <laughs> and, you know, it's very humorous. I've actually driven down the road thinking about it and just, you know, start chuckling. You know. <laughs> so it's not much for me to throw Dad under the bus. But, Dad, you know, I said, now that you're such a big star, you don't have to be Phil Robertson. You're just Phil, exclamation point. They know who I you are. I never right? thought about any of that. <laughs> that's a first <laughs> well <laughs> we we would trust that you're a big enough star you can have phil so that, that no, he's works. now part of my presentation he's now he's now part of the presentation now dad every time norm takes people around the bible museum he's going to point out <laughs> your name on the back of that chair just so you know so i want to talk a little bit about 
just basically what you, because a lot of your work, Norm, that you did here at the museum was actually done far before it opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Zach mentioned in the in the first segment about Oklahoma City, kind of kind of give our audience the the genesis of, w- of where this came from, kind of how you guys pulled it all together uh, to to come up with this amazing place here in DC. So um, back in 2009, uh, Steve Green was approached by a couple of gentlemen who wanted to create a Bible museum, and it was going to be centrally located. I believe it was Dallas, and they asked him if he would acquire some of these rare antiquities and then mr green would donate it to them once you know the museum opened and this is just for the audience this is the uh, hobby lobby green family yeah. so they they're the own founders of hobby lobby so just so yeah. you know so anyway none of that panned out but uh, eventually they ended up uh, acquiring you know numerous artifacts and you know they had a conversation from my understanding and they decided to 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 continue on with the vision of opening um, a Bible museum. And uh, previously, uh, back in 2009, I was with a museum called the Christian Heritage Museum. And at that time, it was one of the largest biblical antiquity collections in North America. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Green had acquired that collection. And then they jokingly say that I was acquired with it. So I'm part, I've been a session to the museum. <laughs> you, were, you, were the pl- you were the player to be named later in the acquisition. I that was. was you. I really okay, was. For cash yeah. consideration. All right, good. And so I can be bought. I just want to let you know. So. <laughs> I love it. I love <laughs> it. For sale. So, um, you know, from that point on, the, you know, but through Christie's and Southern and some of the major auction house and some private collections, um, you know, they started building this collection. But when they bought the Christian Heritage Museum, it allowed them to immediately, you know, do international exhibits because all of the, you know, all of the elements were there to be able to tell the story of, of how we got the Bible or the origins of the Bible, where right. it came from. Right. And uh, so we did international exhibits for the first you know, five years before the museum was even finished. Right. And so that, you know, it was exciting. We went to Cuba, we went to Buenos Aires, we went to Israel, went to the Vatican twice. Um, so, you know, we've done some really cool exhibits. And then, of course, we did national exhibits right here in the States right. at the same time. Which is, I mean, that's a, you think about it, it's a neat concept because you're able to really, you're trying to show people that this is real. So, I mean, Zach, you spent a lot of time in apologetics and kind of trying to to shape people's minds and hearts into what's real. Uh, so to be able to actually have, you know, things like this I and mean, these artifacts to be able to go around and travel and show people that, look, this is real. It's not, you know, this isn't a collection of fairy tales or myths or, you know, as all these people tend to say. I mean, how valuable is that to a guy like you that spent your a lot of your time convincing, especially college age kids, look, this is the real deal. Yeah, <clears throat> very valuable. We spent a lot of time talking about, you know, how how can how do we know that this isn't just made up? And um, you know, the the Bible's one of the most well, it's the most well documented documented by, of, by of antiquity. Way, and um, so yeah, by I, the way, I, Zach, it, it is the Bible. Uh, hear some rumors. Is it still the number one seller in the world? And and uh, someone said there are still countries that don't have the Bible in print. But that's coming down, coming down soon. Is that is there any truth to that? Yeah, I can I can talk on that. There's, yeah, because there's there's a whole room here dedicated yeah. to that. Tell them about that. Yeah, more. so it's our room's called Illuminations, and we actually have a representation of the past two thousand years of all the languages that have ever been translated. 
And then across from that, there's another area of languages that are in the process right now, as I'm speaking to you, that are being translated. But yet there's right beside that um, contingent on the collar of the binding. The purple bindings are being translated right now. The blue bindings have yet to be established. And there's got to be close to about 7,000 what we call heart languages. And out of that 7,000, there's probably a 1,000 languages still that don't have a Bible in the origins of their language. And some of those languages don't even have a, a, a written language yet. So they have to develop a syllabus and then, you know, do a translation. And then so you're not only are you introducing God's word, but you're introducing literacy as well. But the visual impact is powerful. Yeah, it, it's, it's great. You walk in that room, <clears throat> you see by color code, as he described, here's what's been done. Here's what's currently being worked on, and here's what we hope to get to in the future. And literally, Dad, I think about it, it's a it's a living out of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I mean, to every person in their language, you know, to be able to get the gospel to them through the word of God. I mean, that's a it's a noble undertaking. These and these guys have been a part and there's a it's a bigger group that's that's doing it. But I mean, it's to be able to visually see it here, I think, was a powerful thing for me to be able to see that. So you could say, you can make an argument that it still is, Norm, to this day, the number one seller on earth. Oh, yeah. It's not only the number one seller, but the number one translated book yep. in the world. Mm. Well, which is good which news. is incredible. Uh, Zach, back, what, back to what you were saying earlier. Tell about the value of that for people that really have doubts about uh, the validity and the authenticity of the Bible. I mean, because... I mean, you, you've done it in a practical way, probably more than Dad and I have, um, to be able to explain that to people. So how valuable is it to have something like this or people like this or people like Norm uh, doing what they're doing and what you do? If, for me, it was very valuable. I mean, I, you know, I would imagine people that listen to our podcast, there, I mean, as many people that, that download this have listened to it, I would assume there are people who have you know questions about just the validity of it. I mean, the, you think about some of the claims the Bible makes and – yeah, there's different ways you can apologetics is it's a it's a part of, of how I've definitely ministered to people over the years, particularly because I came out of a skepticism myself and then working with college students. Obviously, you know, this a lot of questions that come up, but apologetics comes from a Greek word called apologia, which means to defend. And so if you think about the Bible has all these truth claims about reality some of them are hard to believe because you're, you're talking about, you know, people being raised from the dead, your miracles being performed, you know, God created the universe and you know, all that. I mean, it's, so I, the, one of the big things is how do we know the Bible's true? Um, which I think is a fair question. And so it's, it's interesting when you get into, you know, just biblical history, you know, what do you guys are doing at the Bible museum is incredible because it's just testifying to a lot of work that's been done over the years. And I've actually never been though. I, you know, I got to go, you know, visit Oklahoma and see some of the um, things you're curating there. But I was just curious, like what, because uh, I haven't been yet. I need to get up there. Uh, but what, what are some of the, the more impactful um, artifacts that you guys have there? Yeah. So, so hang on. If we do that, let's okay. take, let's take a break. The, the word impact is, is a great word because our mission statement here is to invite all people to engage with the transformative power of the Bible. And we do that three ways. We look at the Bible's impact in America and in the world. 
we look at the narrative or the stories that lie within the Bible, and then we cover the history. And all of those are on various different floors, two, three, and four. Um, in, in the area of the impact of the Bible in America, you know, we literally show it as soon as you walk into the exhibit area, the Bible's impact and how it was influenced with the, the establishment of the 13 colonies. Um, you know, we are not evangelical here. We're, we're, we're not engaged in any controversy, but we are trying to show that, you know, this book was used for the good, for the bad, and sometimes for the ugly. But the most important part is you can't blame the book for man's ill intent of how they've used this book. Mm. And um, we show, you know, how the Bible was used to support the abolitionist movement, even though others had tried to support, use it to support the justification of slavery. And then at the same time period, when all of this is going on, you know, you have the, the, the missionaries who are trying to reach out to the indigenous people, you know, the Cherokee, the Choctaw, the Chippewa, the Iroquois, the Micmac, Dakota, et cetera. Um, and, but yet at the same time, as we're trying to reach them evangelically, um, we're also pushing them further and further away from their homeland. Um, so, you know, we cover the truth, we, you know, we tell that story here. And so, um, you know, it's pretty impactful when you actually see, you know, how the Bible, uh, you know, has been used to to be able to reach, you know, and, and, and change change world history from uh, civil rights to the abolitionist movement to the revolutionary time period. And then, of course, as I said, the establishment of the 13 colonies, which which I thought was interesting <clears throat> when I toured it last time I was here, because as Norm described, it's sort of you start at the bottom floor. And this is what, seven story building, six story, six story building. And as you're working your way up, just as he said, it's it's becoming more and more uh, in depth into the power of what the word is and how it's impacted not only our culture, but other cultures. And so, Dad, you know, you and I talk a lot about. We're in Washington, D.C., and there's there are scriptures all over this city. I mean, on buildings, uh, inside buildings. I mean, it was, it was it was evident the founders were guided much by the word of God in terms of all the things that are set up here, our seats of power. So, I mean, I felt like it was interesting that I didn't know until you said today the Greens had originally thought something centralized, which makes sense mm -hmm. to, for people to get to. But it, it turns out even better but to, to me, to the Museum of the Bible is in D.C., the seat of the most powerful place in the world. And yet this is where the Bible needs to be more than anywhere else <laughs> at the heart and center. Wouldn't you say so, Dad? No doubt about it. When we tried this experiment, <clears throat> no Bibles and no God, that started about uh, I was about a sophomore, I guess, in college uh, in the mid 60s along in there. But when they outlawed the teaching of the Bible and uh, what the Bible says about the God of heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I've just noticed a severe downturn from 50, 60 years of no Bible in our schools. Uh, and I, I attribute that to, they just didn't have access, a lot of them, to the Word of God. So it, it didn't, it's not worked out well for our culture. No, it hasn't. And and uh, tell me, Norm, because I think I recall this from being here. If I if I, I may be mistaken, but is the Bible was used a lot in early education mm -hmm. in America, right? Yeah. And you guys have some things that that, that talk about so that. So, in the the establishment of the thirteen colonies, um, there's a book called the New England Primer, 
Yes. And it literally used the Bible as part of its educational source. For example, F is for the fall of man. And then explaining what that fall was about, you know, mm -hmm. we call it sin, right. but really it's selfishness, self-centered and yeah. self-willed saying, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. Right. But yet this book from the 17 into the 1800s, the, the primer was literally used into our school system. Then, of course, the establishment, Harvard, Yale. Princeton, all of these schools, they were schools to produce pastors. They weren't the elite, uh, elite schools that they are today with the ideology that they have today. Um, the main purpose was to produce pastors, preachers, and, you know, to fill that commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And isn't that incredible, it Dad? Is. I mean, you think about that, that <laughs> the Bible itself was our was our our basis or kind of our jumping off place for education. And then our higher, you know, places of learning and education were, were in essence, preaching schools that, that also added in some of the other uh, things that they became. But look at what's happened in less than 300 years. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Patrick Henry said the, the United States, he said, this America, this country is, is, <clears throat> was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there, those founders they knew it, and they were very serious about getting getting the word of God out into the people's hearing. And uh, I, I look back at it; some great men came out of that time frame. No doubt about it. And and because they were led by by the yep. word, which was the, the biggest, you know, I think the biggest selling point of being here. Uh, Norm, tell me what, what is the to you because you you've poured over thousands of artifacts, and as you said, you were doing this even before there was a Bible museum. What's what's the most intriguing thing to you that's here in the museum? What's what's something that, like, you think, this is really cool, this is really neat? Well, I, I think research and technology, well, first of all, that's like asking me my favorite band. And there's <laughs> no, so I, many great bands. It's like, you know, what's my favorite food? And, it's like, Dad, what's your favorite book that you wrote, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but there, we have an artifact here called the CCR, the Codex Climicus Rescriptus. Um, it's it's a palimpsis is what it is. And a palimpsis is uh, an artifact, a manuscript that has originally had a contact, context that was written on and then scraped off and then rewritten over top. That's hundreds, a thousand years old. And um, until recently, the past 15 years, there was no technology to uncover and discover this underneath lying text. And yeah. so within our collection, the Codex Climicus Rescriptus, uh, John Climicus wrote a book called The Ladder of Divine Ascent, and it's written in Syriac. It's a black top text that he overwrote the underlying text. Mm -hmm. And of course, the underlying text contains the Gospels in Aramaic and the language that Jesus spoke. And so this new technology called multi-spectral imaging, where they take a digital infrared camera and cast uh, shadows over it, which allows them to create an algorithm. And that algorithm allows them to obliterate the top text, the Syriac, and then raise the bottom text wow. so that you can clearly see um, the underlying text uh, and the one particular leaf that we have on example is uh, the gospels in Aramaic. It's where Jesus um, is literally hanging on the cross. And we highlight the words where he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm 
And so be able to uncover and discover all of these underlying texts. You know, it's, it's a new uh, educational resource. We have the technology here at the museum. We own 120 of the CCR leaves, but we haven't had the opportunity to research all of them as of yet, but wow. we're in the process of doing that. That's, and I remember seeing it when I was here and, and I figured that's the one you were going to say because you were excited when you were telling us about it. But so you will continue this process throughout these other documents and who knows what you'll find, right? Right. I mean, it's just like almost a, discover, it's a first discovery on all well, these it documents. It reminds me of what the Bible says about itself. It says all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, yeah. rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want a statements like that, it has to be quite the document to even make that claim. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and it's living and breathing, which is another powerful part about it. What else can you say about that? Which, which takes me back to what we were talking about, because you think about something living and breathing. In other words, it, it continues to you know, move forward in time and to more and how it impacts you. But in a sense, this uh, thing you guys or someone has discovered is also a way to even go deeper into these written texts mm -hmm. to find even more truth that's buried right. beneath, right. which is very powerful. It is. Yeah. So it, one of the things that they did is they found, you know, there wasn't just one layer that lied underneath, right. but there were multiple layers. Oh, and then wow. one of the layers they think they believe they found the oldest documentation of the constellation Pisces on one of these old manuscripts. So, you know, that part's not essentially biblical, but it shows us, uh, you know, that, you know, astrologically, you know, and yeah. research what was going on, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago as well. Yeah. So we're out of time for our podcast, but uh, thank you so much, Norm, for being here. What a, what a blessing you are to me, just, you know, explaining more about the idea of the museum and why it's here. Uh, we've got an overtime segment uh, that we'd like to talk to you a little bit more about because there's a couple more thoughts uh, that I'd like for you to explain to our listeners. And so uh, to follow us over, it's blazetv.com slash unashamed. If you want to check out a little more Norm in our overtime. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.